Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are you guys doing today? It's a beautiful Sunday to gather to, to worship together. My name is Dan. I'm the, the worship pastor here at Sunrise, and we are just so blessed and excited to worship with you and hear God's word and seek him together. So uh, as I was preparing this week, I, uh, this verse kind of popped out to me in scripture, so I want to read it before we get uh, worshiping and singing our first song, I Thank God. So this comes out of First Thessalonians. Thessalonians 5. It says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So as we sing, especially this first song, I thank God. May we uh, be thankful, be grateful for what is God, what God has given to us in our lives. And especially as we're starting this new year, 2023, looking forward to what God has in store for us this year, that we can be thankful for where he has us right now and grateful, and that we can rejoice for what he has planned and what he's been doing in our lives. So why don't we stand, let's be grateful, rejoice, and sing today and worship him. Thank you. 
is God. Your story is beautiful. The story of Jacob, of Moses, of David, of Mary. God, it's amazing how you used each one of these people to bring you glory and bless them at the same time. And God, just as you healed back then, you're healing now. And God, as you moved in power back then, God, you are moving in power today. Just as you use each of these amazing people, God, you're using us even now to fulfill your mission. And we are a part of that story too. God, even as sometimes we may find ourselves, we may even feel insignificant or unwise or not even gifted enough. God, but you delight in using the humble and the outcast and the least of these. So God, we submit ourselves to you today. We're so thankful and grateful to be called your children. May it be honored by our praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning, everyone. Um, welcome to Sunrise on this chilly January morning. My name is Carissa, and I'm just thankful that we get to worship together this morning. Um, if you are here for one of the first times, then we would love for you to be brave, hold up your phone, snap a picture, okay, it might appear, of the QR code on the screen, um, and it'll bring you to our announcements page, our website give you a chance to learn more about Sunrise, and also, if you answer a couple brief questions, um, we'd love to thank you with a gift um, in the mail later on. Oh, it did? Good. It appeared. I was going to say, otherwise, if it's not there, or even if it is, um, we will also have some people at the Connect table in the lobby afterward, and someone will be there just to introduce themselves, talk to you, welcome you, answer any questions that you may have. If you are watching online and you've never actually gone through that process before, then look for that um, link in the comments, and again, just follow those same steps. Um, we really only have one announcement this morning, and that is that this Tuesday night is going to be Wine and Theology. So that is open to any women who want to go to Hudsonville Grill, not too far from here, and 7 o'clock... Sorry, Monday. I think Pub Theology's Tuesdays. Sorry, Monday night. So come on out, 7 o'clock, get to know some other women, have some conversation together. If you do have any questions, Kate Jansen's email address is up there, and you can email her and find out some more info, but you don't have to RSVP or anything, just show up. At this time, we want to take a few minutes to move across the aisle, talk to... We don't, aisle sounds so formal. Walk around, say hello to someone get some coffee, um, but also we are going to be releasing kids, element, their young, what do I, preschool, there, sorry, I'm in school mode, young fives, no, no, um, preschool up through fifth grade to head on back for Sunrise Kids, so take a moment and stand up and say hello. All right, good morning, Sunrise, if you could find your way back to your seat or a seat, that would be fantastic. Oh, or the beanbag's fine, Benjamin. So uh, really good uh, to be back with you after a couple of weeks away. Uh, and so this morning, especially, especially because he's in here, uh, can we thank Noah for bringing us the word last week? Appreciate him and, and the work that he did with that. So Noah had the unenviable task of beginning a series for which he was not responsible for planning or continuing. Um, and he had this instruction from me, just preach the passage and don't do damage to it. Can you do that? And, uh, and he was like, seven years of higher theological education, I can take care of that. So we, we appreciate him doing it. Uh, we appreciate him so aptly uh, breaking down for us Colossians chapter 3, uh, those verses 15 through 17 especially. And today we're actually going to continue that thought 
as we look at Colossians 4, 2 through 6. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, okay, crazy old man, there's a section of Scripture that's between these two passages of, of, of Scripture, the one that Noah preached and the one that you're preaching, and you would be correct. But the funny thing is that sometimes the Apostle Paul is like your pastor, and as he's writing these rants or these letters to the church, he kind of takes an aside and says, and another thing, okay? And he goes off on a little tangent, inspired by God, obviously, right? And then he comes back to the thought that, he's, that, that, that he was initially talking about, and that's what we're doing today. So, so the little rant is Paul actually undoing the Roman household codes that were so prevalent in his day and teaching people in the church of Colossae how they could live thankful, grace-filled lives in the most intimate relationships they had, husbands and wives, parents and children, and in the first century, slaves and masters. And so that's why we're taking time to think through some of these passages and to look, man, Joe, you are Johnny on the spot. I haven't had to click this thing once. He's doing great. Um, And so we're going to be taking a few minutes uh, over the next, well, we're going to be taking a few weeks to, to unpack and to think about the sunrise pillars, those things that matter most to us, that rest upon the rock of Jesus Christ and support our mission of being transformative forces in the world through God's grace and love. You see, the pillars aren't, they're they're things that support our mission, guardrails, if you will. And the things that we have declared together that we will be is that we will be biblical. We spent kind of the fall talking about that. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean we attach a verse to a hammer and then hit people over the head with it. It means that we live and we tell the story of Jesus from beginning to end, that we will be compassionate that we will be evangelistic. And again, not this idea that we're peddling goods and services to get people to make some kind of a gospel transaction, but we are actually living as winsome witnesses in the world. We're living in such a way that people will look at us and they'll say, why are you so different, Brenda? Why are you loving me the way that you're loving me? That we will be authentic. Right in a world that, that excels at canceling one another for not agreeing with certain presuppositions that are held, this is a really dangerous proposition, isn't, isn't it? To be authentic and to step out and to say, here I am, love me or hate me. Because the reality is, folks, some, some people are going to love us and some people are going to hate us. But what does it mean for followers of Jesus Christ to live authentically? And then today, today we begin at the end. What does it mean to live thankfully, to celebrate God's grace that's been shown to us. One more. There we go. Can I confess something to you guys real quick? Can we do this? Can I just can I be honest with you? <laughs> Phil's thinking, well, it depends on what it is, old man. At my house, the little, little blue house on Englehurst Drive, we get a lot of Amazon packages. <laughs> a lot of books. Did you, were you seriously reading my notes? We get a lot of books at my house. You see, I was actually going to talk about, oh, don't look at Amy, you know, it's not her, it's me. Um, I actually, I do sort of have a confession. I actually ordered one this morning before I left. <laughs> so there's a package that's coming, kind of book-shaped. Um, but this week, I was reminded that six years ago, this past week, we, we, got, a, we got an especially uh, precious book, one that, for which I am very thankful, in the mail. One of those Facebook memories popped up. You guys, so all of you that are under 40, Facebook is this social media that us old people are on. <laughs> Um, and it pops up these memories. And one of the memories that popped up was it said, um, six years ago today, this book arrived at your house. Anybody have any idea what this big, ugly black book is? 
It's not the Bible. No, Caleb, not at all. Not even close to the Bible. That's exactly what it is. And I need new glasses because I can't read my dissertation. It has my name right here. And then it says, an introduction to spiritual formation, an expositional and disciplined approach. I was super thankful to get this. Do you know why? Because many years of my life went into producing this. I, I, I opened it up, and you know what the first thing I thought was? I thought it would be bigger. <laughs> right? As much. No, Kate, it's not. It's not even single space. It's double spaced and everything. But I opened this thing up, and, I'm, and, and, and I remember thinking how thankful I was to have it. How thankful I was that the journey was over. How thankful I was to have accomplished something that, man, it seemed like all of our adult life, Amy had been following me around the Midwest and, and taking more than her part of the parenting, and, and, and we had been sacrificing financially for me to get, you know, not one but two master's degrees, and then to go on and to get this thing and then to write this book and open it up, and I felt super thankful to have completed the journey. But more than that, I was thankful for what this journey taught me about thankfulness. You see, folks, when that memory popped up, I, I was reminded of the fact that w- one of the things that, so, so it's interesting that we're in the book of Colossians today, and, and, and that's what the dissertation is based upon. It's based upon an expositional approach to the book of Colossians as it relates to spiritual transformation. And one of the ancient practices that I talk about in this dissertation was the practice very simply of thankfulness. Did you know that there's a spiritual discipline called Thankfulness. Thankfulness, some people call it gratefulness, but, but it's a practice whereby we take time to be mindful of the things that God has placed in our lives and in our paths for which we can and are thankful. It's a challenge for most of us, I think, to be thankful To understand that thankfulness is not a means of grace in a salvific kind of way, but it is a means of apprehending and comprehending God's grace to us and through which others around us see and experience God's grace. You see, at sunrise, this is part of our founding documents. We we, we say things like this, is that we believe that God's grace is amazing. Can I get an amen? That God's grace restores our relationship with our Creator and allows us to live in harmony with the world and with each other. But the only way that thankfulness can do those things is that if we are, rem- if we are mindful of the things for which we have to be thankful. And so today, we're going to look at the Scriptures yet again, and we're going to see what the Apostle Paul has to say to the church of, of Colossae, because there's, there's some really important nuggets about thankfulness that he has to say in these four verses that I think that if we take to heart, they can change how we are perceived and how we demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around us in this new year. Read this with me. The Apostle Paul says this. It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, Paul and his companions, that God may open a door for our message, the, the preaching of the gospel, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Now, now hang on to that. Paul, right? Paul's in chains. And pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. A few things that I want to point out here really quick, just to make sure that you don't miss before we move on. Um, Devote yourself here. Devote is the imperative in this. There are two imperatives in this passage. And and, and as as we're teaching students how to preach and we're teaching students how to handle the text, one of the things that that we do at the college is that we tell them when you're translating your passage in Greek, you look at it and if you can find the imperative, you can find the the main point of the passage. And in Paul's writing here in these, these two paragraphs, there are two imperatives. And the first is be devoted, be devoted specifically to prayer for a specific purpose. 
which is the ministry of the gospel in this particular passage. And, and then he, they, sort of this throwaway line here um, that, that we often just pass over, for which I am in chains. Paul wasn't in a place of favor or comfort as he's writing these words. Paul is telling the people that he's writing to to be thankful, even though he may be in one of the most thankless and unthankful places we can ever imagine. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Let's move on. Be wise. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, the second imperative, acting towards outsiders. Devote yourself to prayer. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always filled with judgment, (laughs) propositional truth. No. Grace. Seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. As we think about these these two imperatives in this passage, the the first thing that I want to talk to us about, or maybe point out this morning that I would encourage us to do, is that may we be a thankful people that are devoted to prayer. The prayer. As I was translating this passage this week, one of the things that I I was surprised by was that it's not an indefinite article, but it's a definite article that precedes prayer. All right, so most of you are like, what do you mean by that? What, what does that even mean? Okay, so, so when we're thinking about how language works, uh, an indefinite article is like an A, a prayer, a petition, asking someone a question, sort of a general approaching of somebody saying, hey, Sue, can I have a raise? Or, you know, hey, Debbie, can I have your car? Right? Those kinds, those kinds of petitions, right? Just a general asking of a question. But the Apostle Paul doesn't use an indefinite article here. He uses a definite article here. And what he's telling people is that we don't petition someone out there for something. We petition the one true God for the very thing that we need. The prayer, the worship, the adoration of the God. That we devote ourselves not to something ambiguous, but something purposeful. Devote yourselves to prayer, he says. And the second thing, the second imperative, is that he encourages those that are around him to act wisely towards those that are outside. So act wisely and then speak winsomely to those that are outside of the faith. The second thing, the second imperative So if we are to treat prayer as we would a cherished or a faithful spouse, a loving child, right? Devote ourselves to it. We're also to literally, as we are praying to God for the world, we are to act wisely toward those that are outside of the faith system, that are outside of the family. You could translate this, act wisely, walk in wisdom. You ever met a wise person? Not a rhetorical question. Have you ever met a wise person? Some of you would say, man, they're a wise person. What makes a wise person a wise person? I think there's one really key ingredient to determining whether a person is wise or not. Are you ready? They speak when they have something to say. You know, have you known those people? I think one of the truly wise people that I've ever known in my life was a gentleman. Man, <laughs> sometimes it sneaks up on you. Um, was a man by the name of Harvey Chaffins. Harvey was about this tall. And when I first took over as the pastor at Grace Baptist Church, I was 20, Amy, how old were we? 25? Something, Right? I was of an age that no person should ever be allowed to pastor anyone anywhere. Um, right? I was, I was that age. I was that many days old. Um, 
right? And so, so Harvey, who was in his 70s at the time, who had declined to be on the elder board for years before this, came into my office one day. He called me and said, hey, man, Dennis, can we sit down and have a conversation? I said, sure. He came in. He sat down, and he said, okay, um, I'm old. And I said, yes. And he said, you're young. And I said, yes. And he said, you need me, and I need you. And then he said this. He said, I've declined to be on the board for the last 10 years because we had an old pastor and we didn't need another old man on the board. He said, but I want to help you, and if you'll let me, I'll be an old voice to help you as a young man. Now, one of the things that struck me about Harvey was that Harvey didn't open his mouth unless he had something to say. He was wise. And he spoke wisdom. And when he had something that he needed to talk to me about, he didn't say it in front of the whole church. He didn't say it in front of the whole board. He, he called me and said, let's go to coffee. But what else was interesting about Harvey was that when Harvey even had corrective words to say, he was winsome about it. He wasn't heavy-handed. No, when when we follow the leading of the Lord, when we act in such a way that is filled with winsome, was filled with wisdom and winsome witness to outsiders, the primary thing that they hear from our conversation is that God loves them and so do we. Here's sort of my, my, my free translation of this. So as I was translating this week, I, I looked at be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. If I were to translate this, I would say don't be a jerk face. <laughs> don't be a jerk face to, to those that don't know any better. Whoa. I have never once in my life, you guys, spanked the neighbor kids because they were doing something in their yard that I didn't like. (laughs) Never once. Right? You know what being thankful will look like here in Sunrise? Being thankful will look... When we begin to take more serious our own holiness... And when we begin to look more seriously at how we are following Jesus, and when we expect more of ourselves than we expect outside the world, then that, then that is going to be a winsome witness. Where people are going to ask us what makes us so differently. Yes, be watchful, the text says. Being watchful here is is the opposite of dozing off at the wheel, it's being awake, it's being alert. Be watchful and be thankful. So, so you might be asking yourself, so, so, so what in the world does thankfulness have to do with any of this? Devoting yourself to prayer and, and, and acting wisely and winsomely. What, what does it have to do with any of this? And the answer is it has everything to do. It has everything to do with this. Because thankfulness, correctly understood, is a practice of the gospel that's good for our own transformation and for the lived witness in the world. Thankfulness. Thankfulness is connected. Joel, I may have gone to sleep. There we go. Thankfulness is not only connected theologically, but textually and practically to the gospel of Jesus. The word in this passage that's translated thankfulness, yeah, I know you guys are like, man, Dennis, this is a lot of, you know, Greek this morning. It, it, you know what? The, the, the text just kind of demands it this morning. I promise it won't be this um, ridiculous all the time. But a few weeks ago, you remember when we were talking and I, and I talked about the, the Greek word that's often translated thankfulness. Do you remember what it is? It's Eucharistia. The Eucharist. The Lord's table. You see, folks, thankfulness isn't just something that we we think about theologically, but it's something that we live practically out every day. When we practice thankfulness, we embody the gospel of Jesus Christ before the world, who frankly has very little to be thankful for. 
when we practice thankfulness, we live a prayer. We live a prayer that others would see and experience God's grace in transforming ways. And we don't just pray for them, but we act wisely and winsomely toward them. And it becomes a means by which they can see and encounter God's good grace through us. I'm not trying to put any undue pressure on anybody. But my friends, often, often you may be the only Bible that your neighbors read. You may be the only Jesus your neighbors encounter. You may be the person that through your transformed life, through your practice of faith, and it's not just about being a happy, clappy person. It's about being a person through which the conduit, being a conduit through which God's grace flows out to the world. So here's what I've been thinking. If thankfulness is a prayer, and thankfulness is a means of witnessing the grace of God that I have experienced, I confess to you as your pastor, I need to be more thankful. And so I've, I've made some settled intentions. A few years ago, one of our, our former elders at Bella Vista, Scott, and I were talking, and Scott said, I've decided I'm not going to make resolutions anymore, but I'm going to make settled intentions. And I don't know what the difference is, but the settled intention thing sounds smarter to me. <laughs> and, and one of the things that I really want for people to think of me is I want them to think that I'm smart. And so, I've made some settled intentions. And I want you to see if, if as I articulate some of these things, if, if maybe the Spirit of God is, is churning up something in you to challenge you to be more prayerfully thankful, more thankful as a wise and winsome witness. In 2023, settled intention number one is that by God's grace, I'm going to be more thankful for the gospel. And the difference God's grace has made in my life. As Noah reminded us last week, you guys, we need God's grace. Not a one of us earns it. Not a one of us deserves it. If left to my own devices, I'm, I am a jerk face. I'm selfish. And I'm mean-spirited. I get angry and yell at my children about where my hand sanitizer is. <laughs> no, but by God's grace, I'm going to be more thankful for the fact that I have received His grace, that He is the first mover of my salvation, that when I was far off, He came looking for me. The second thing is that I want to make it my settled intention by God's grace to be more thankful for the opportunities to proclaim the truth and the mystery of Christ to those in my sphere of influence. I'm going to be more thankful for every time God brings somebody across my path to not see them as a problem to be solved or an issue to be overcome or someone to be pacified, but, 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 but to see them as one who is in need of experiencing God's grace in their lives, to show and to tell what it means to be transformed by Jesus. Number three. In 2023, by God's grace, I'm going to, to practice thankfulness regardless of my circumstances. Remember that little throwaway line? Paul was in chains. Friends, I find myself in a depressed stupor sometimes because the Michigan cherry coffee is out at the house. I'm going to practice thankfulness. For those of us who follow Jesus, our circumstances do not dictate our ability to be thankful. Why? 
Because God shows up even in the midst of crummy circumstances all the time. Now, again, here's, here's not what I'm saying. As someone who has struggled with anxiety and depression in their past, I'm not saying that you pray away those things, but here's what I am saying is for me, a game changer in my life was when I began to practice gratefulness and thankfulness, and I stopped looking at myself and bemoaning the situation and the circumstances that I found myself in. It was a game changer in helping to rewire how I approach the world. I'm not telling you that it's going to solve all your problems. But here's what I am telling us, is that each and every one of us wake up every morning with agency and decisions to make. And for me, my settled intention is that I want to practice thankfulness regardless of my circumstances. And again, just being authentic with you guys, the last few months, it's been a little bit more difficult than it normally has been. But God is still faithful. And there's still things to be thankful for in the midst of rough circumstances. The next settled intention is that by God's grace, I want to be thankful for God, that God's kingdom is not built by my cleverness, giftedness, hard work, but by and through the work of Christ and the grace of God. Can we all just let that settle in for a minute? That it's not up to us. Praise the Lord that it's not dependent upon my cleverness or my giftedness. That it's not about working harder. It's about being more surrendered to Him. Two more as the worship team comes to lead us in our final song. By God's grace, I'm going to seek to be more thankful for the wisdom found in the Scriptures and revealed in Christ. And lastly, by God's grace, I'm going to be thankful for the opportunities to graciously say what I hear him saying. Never underestimate the power of a kind word. Never underestimate what it means to look someone in the eye and to tell them that they matter. Never underestimate your ability to communicate the love of God to someone by what you do and by what you say. In my old age, I'm coming to believe that it's less about answering all the hard questions and more about letting people know that you love them just where they are. And you press into those spaces. And you care for people, not because of what they can do for you, but because there are two things about every human being that we encounter. This is one for whom Christ died. And this is one made in the image of God. Every image bearer of God walking around on this planet matters to the Creator who knows their garbage just like He knows mine. And yet, and yet, even with all of that knowledge, went to the cross because of his love for them. Just as he went to the cross for his love for us. So folks, this year I've, I've redoubled my commitment to, to be a person who loves the people that God loves. So I'm not concerned with managing your behavior, but pointing you to Jesus. I'm not so concerned with proving to you that I'm right and you're wrong, but pointing you to Jesus. I'm not so concerned that making sure that that you're acting in the way that I want you to act, but, but that you're following Jesus. And that you know that he loves you. And that he showed the full extent of that love on a cross. And that you know that anytime you experience love from me, 
But that love's not just me. It's just Jesus coming out in me. It's just, it's just there's a tiny piece of my heart and my soul that's continuing to be sanctified by the work of the Spirit of God for the love that we share for this world, friends, isn't contrived or concocted through our cleverness or ingeniousness or through our hard work. It was hard won on a cross. And we get the opportunity to share it with others. Instead of being thankful that we've been found, let's be thankful that we've been found and that we are used as emissaries for God to find others. So God, this morning we pray for these friends. We pray in this place and we pray that you would help us to be thankful. Devoting ourselves, Lord, to you. Acting wisely. Speaking graciously and winsomely. Lord, that in answer to the question, what is it that we have to be thankful for? The the church answer is the right answer. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for your grace. We're thankful for the difference that you've made difference that you're making through us. So God, may our, may our thankfulness not only be a prayer, but may it be a solemn declaration of your gospel to a watching and waiting world. In the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. That's good to move to a time of singing praise and worship. Um, so as we sing, um, we invite you to also worship by giving you your tithes and offerings. Um, you can do that in the offering bucket in the back between the doors. <clears throat> you can also jump on the website and do it there. On the announcement page, you can see it there. But as we worship, let's Let's be thankful. Let's be grateful for what he's been doing right now in our hearts right now, but also in our lives. Let's sing together.
So my prayer for you today is that God would open doors for his message to be communicated through you, that you would proclaim the mystery of Christ, and that you would proclaim it clearly as you show and tell the goodness of God making the most of every opportunity. And from our dear friend Noah, that you would be reminded that the law and the prophets hang on this command. Don't be a jerk face. <laughs> Go in his peace, proclaiming his goodness and his grace. Amen.